0: welcome to cinema chop shop watch chop retrofit
1: welcome to cinema chop shop everybody we're back uh, one week later than expected but uh Todd had some issues with his battery in his car, but you're all set now? Yeah, good to go now. Okay, so uh, we're doing a watch party. This time we're playing the classic uh, Citizen Kane from 1941. Uh, This is the uh, movie that kind of put orson wells on the map uh after his antics with uh, war of the worlds right and uh we're watching the criterion copy from 2021 this is the uh, blu-ray from the uhd 4k release i don't have a uhd player unfortunately so if anybody out there wants to throw one my way feel free i won't say no Um, If it's your first time listening to one of our uh, watch parties, uh, the idea is that you watch the film with us uh, as our audio commentary. And uh, we're going to cue this thing up. Uh, We've got it paused right at the beginning of the film, uh, right before the RKO Pictures logo. So when I give you the countdown, uh, that's what you're trying to sync it up to so you can follow along. We'll try to keep you entertained along the way. Enjoy yourselves. So without further ado, we're going to say three, two, one and we've got the beeping of the RKO tower and we have begun
0: I love these old school intros with the with the planet earth of course universal Disney. oh yeah those are they fantastic the with the little model airplane yeah. circling around yeah in the pre uh space
1: travel this is the second time i've seen citizen kane just the second, really? Just the second. I, the first time I ever watched it was after uh, AFI's Top 100 of the Last 100 Years mm-hmm. came out in 1998. And I, I watched it very shortly after that list came out, probably on a VHS copy. And well, uh, I have not seen it since, in nah. its entirety. I mean, I'm sure I've seen
0: bits and pieces and clips and interviews and whatnot. But. Right. It's been quite a while since I've seen it, too. I've, I've definitely seen it more recently than that. But I think maybe this is my third viewing, I want to say. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And I love uh, this opening here with the the dark uh, atmosphere established. Almost menacing. yeah. And also you can certainly see right away the influence uh, on film noir that this would have almost I mean the film I mean I don't know if you would call it a film noir, but it certainly has some of those uh, elements. I would agree. Um, definitely. So, you know, I was, uh,
1: watching this, uh, I'm sorry, as I was prepping notes this morning, just a few scribbles. Um, you know, this was co-written, uh, by Mankiewicz, uh, the subject of the film Mank that came out just a few years ago. Okay. And, um, that would make an excellent, uh, double feature with this movie, yeah. considering that a lot of the plot elements in Mank have to do with citizen Kane and, uh, William Randolph Hearst's uh you know reaction to the film right and how it affected uh Mankowitz's uh being in that circle of friends
0: he kind of got ostracized by uh by Hearst as a result of this Yeah I think Mankowitz was a notorious alcoholic um there's also a lot of infamous controversy surrounding who actually authored Citizen Kane Um, it's listed as a co-authorship between Wells and Mankiewicz uh, but a famous article that um, Camille Paglia wrote uh, I think in the 70s or or late 60s um, called that into question Um, and of course we have the famous rosebud scene here
1: It should be noted that this film was one of the earliest to make good use of a non-linear uh, plot line,
0: jumping around in chronology to tell a story. Right. The one of the interesting thing too about this is um, you know, I didn't realize how uh, much of a novice to film Orson Welles was and um the cinematographer actually wanted to work with Welles for that reason uh, Toland, I believe his name is, Mm -hmm. uh, because he said that he was tired of working with all these people that knew so much about it, that they were just doing the stock, you know, typical things. And so, um, Wells, because he didn't know that much about it, brought a different sensibility and wanted, would want to try things without really knowing if it could be done or not. Yeah. Um, and that led to some of the innovation that you see in the film.
1: Yeah. Uh, Wells was, uh, uh, I would say, a, a novice, a newbie when it came to directing uh, when when he made this. And he was kind of learning a lot of it on the fly. Right. And uh, I think he said that uh, Stagecoach was like the biggest movie influence on him in terms of preparing to be a director.
0: Yeah, he said he watched it like 75 times or something. Yeah, like I, I read 40
1: times it. and just to... Pick it apart and understand why the whys and wherefores of, of different things in the
0: film. Right. When he was such a novice that he didn't realize that uh, that film, Stagecoach, actually was not considered a conventionally shot film and did a lot of things that you're you know not supposed to do um, for that time, at least. I love this opening that sort of uh, is for the time period would have been familiar. The news that would often, you know, come before a a motion picture with the narrator, with the big booming voice. Right. (laughs) And also something that film noir would borrow from later with the, you know, opening narration. Um,
1: I mean, you got to think about like an audience member going to see a film where the main character dies in the opening scene. Right. What a what a disorienting, mindfuck kind of way to start a movie where up until then everything was pretty much
0: straightforward. Right. Yeah, I mean, this intro gives you essentially all the bullet points of his life. Yes. Literally all of them, up from the beginning to the end.
1: For our younger listeners (laughs) (laughs) Kane was a uh, Newspaper man (laughs) Right, He had a newspaper empire And uh, he had a lot of influence On people And of course this was uh, echoing the life path Of William Randolph Hearst The uh, owner of Hearst Newspapers I think if you wanted to make a modern day comparison uh, It would be like a a Rupert Murdoch type character Right But um, you know wells insists that it's not just william randolph hertz uh right. first he was uh, also you know uh, mimicking pulitzer um sam insul and howard mccormick apparently those were two barons from uh chicago right that he he leaned on heavily for also um, the dna of yeah. of, of kane
0: It's kind of funny, too, though. These were things he would only admit later on, you know, a decade or two later after uh, Hearst was uh, dead because uh, they didn't want to get sued by Hearst, so they would insist that this was a complete (laughs) invention uh, when it originally came out. Another cool thing about this movie is that um, a lot of the actors were part of the Mercury... Uh, acting troupe that uh, Wells had, was a part of, and I guess had put together, and uh, a lot of them became you know, uh, veterans of cinema, but this was their first film in a lot of cases. Joseph Cotton I think maybe had done a couple of short films, but this was his first feature length film. Agnes Moorhead, her first one, and then of course after this they're all over the place in, in cinematic history. as old fashioned as some of the newspaper stuff and newsreel stuff may seem thematically it's, you know, could be contemporary with the fake news stuff and the, Oh yeah. Um, calling people a fascist and all this. I mean, this is (laughs) (laughs) as much as things change, a lot stays the same. Oh yeah.
1: Of course, when this film came out, uh, you know, Hearst very famously uh, refused, all, he forbid rather, all of his newspapers from talking about this movie, uh, advertising the film, advertising anything having to do with RKO. They they essentially blackballed them from all of their publications.
0: Right. Apparently, and this was in a documentary that's part of the this Criterion set, uh, Hearst sent his secretary to uh, view the film before it was released um, and she and the chauffeur sat in to watch it, uh, and she, uh, got up in a huff and left when it became clear to her that this was influenced, uh, by her boss. Uh, but apparently, uh, the story goes, the chauffeur hung around until the end and said, wow, that was a good movie <laughs> or a good picture. I should say that's what they called them back then. I wish we still called movies pictures instead of movies. I think, uh, Scorsese still tends to do that. If you see interviews with him, but talkies. Yeah. I just like picture for picture. some reason. It's a
1: picture. Um, so I mentioned, you know, the AFI top 100 list, you know, this was the number one film when it came out in 98. And I think they reissued the list in 2007. And again, it was the top movie. Um, this stayed on top of, uh, the
0: British film Institute's sight and sound list for 50 years. Yeah. So it just got replaced. I actually have a copy of the most recent Sight and sound that was released, uh, late last year. And for the first time, uh, in 50 years or whatever, it was replaced, uh, by, uh, a Chantel Ackerman film called, uh, Jeanne Dealman. And oh. it's, there's more to the title than that. I, but, um, it's a long title. Uh, it's an interesting movie. Um, I don't know if it's the most entertaining thing okay, uh, in the world, but anyway, we won't get too bogged down <laughs> with that, but... You know, the makeup in this uh is pretty impressive for considering, you know, the time period. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Wells of course was 26 years old, but like in this scene right here, I mean, I could buy him as a Yeah. you know, older man. <laughs> <laughs> That prediction didn't age well well that was <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> the, the film is, is a bit of a commentary on yeah. uh, our involvement or lack of involvement at the time it was being shot in World War II as right. well and kind of a, a, a pre cursor uh, like an early argument about the communism too right and th- that's kind of interesting that this movie would age right into that as well
2: <laughs> the end.
0: <laughs> Look at that. With the lighting coming in. It's Which just... Some beautiful shots. Really. It really is. A lot of these... uh the way a lot of the lighting is shot in this film uh was definitely um inspired from um Orson Welles' stage days and so things that you know you wouldn't typically have done in film he would want to do just from the uh, yeah. in, uh in one of the documentaries uh i think that same documentary that i referenced earlier um there're sketches from his uh period on the stage where you can see the clear influence of uh, how he wanted the lighting shot, uh, in this movie, uh, similar to uh, some of his stage productions. I mean, like
1: this shot here, it's clearly backlighting. So you've got these striking silhouettes of these men with, without right. any of their features really in, in clear lighting and clear focus. Right. Right. You know, Rosebud, uh, which I'll talk a little bit about that later as we get into it. um, That I knew about Rosebud before I had watched this film. Oh, yeah. It's something that I heard uh, growing up or or read about or it was always referenced in uh, pop culture.
0: I knew about it from a Simpsons episode. Okay, Where Burns was the Charles Foster King. Sure, sure. Type character. And what the hell does Rosebud mean? Uh, of course a lot of ink has been spilled about that
1: Susan Kane Yep So the thing that Hearst really got pissed off the most about is that he assumed that Susan Kane was uh, based on Marion Davies his 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 woman Right but, right. uh, Wells claims that, uh, it, it was based on, uh, a Chicago opera singer, right. That Insul was, uh, trying to promote,
0: uh, it was, uh, McCormick's, I think it was McCormick's second wife. So, uh, yeah, well, and, uh, I've seen an interview, uh, with Wells talking about that very thing. And he actually acknowledged that it was probably a dirty thing to do. He said at the time that the reason they did it was in part because they thought that that would oh, well, it's not really about uh, Hearst, but because everyone just assumed it was about Hearst, then what ended up happening was people just assumed that that portrayal was about his um, you know, real-life woman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which wasn't you know, Wells' intent, but he, you know... I think that Wells
1: built in plausible deniability right? in knowing full well that people were, people were going to connect dots with right. this. So, uh, clever clever on him for that mm-hmm. but again you know go watch Mank and a lot of these things that we're talking about play into that film uh, right this the, the just how Hearst was so irate about this movie and uh, and how it affected his him and his his woman. Again, interesting framing, uh, setting up the shot from this uh, slightly elevated perspective. Mm -hmm. You've got the guy in the foreground on the phone, you've got the guy that's talking to him, and then you've got her in the
0: background in this nice angled perspective shot. Yep. And, you know, when you watch this film, and I, I had this experience the first time, you hear about how innovative it is, but so much of this movies do all the time now, and so it's easy as a modern viewer to kind of lose track of that, but the more movies from... Uh, the 30s, and the period before this that I watched, you can really see the innovation. You know, movies up until then, you know, you would typically just, the the camera's either a medium or close-up shot right on whoever's speaking. You don't have shots like this where you see, you know, what's going on in the background and that sort of thing.
1: Well, he does a really good job of creating intrigue, or at least indicating to the viewer that, you know, this is not on the up and up or it's not being presented in a very matter of fact manner just by how, um, how much uh, uh, curiosity he creates with the, uh, with the shot. Right.
0: And then it just looks fantastic. Oh, it's gorgeous. (laughs) Ted Turner uh, famously or infamously in the 80s tried to uh, colorize Uh, Citizen Kane but uh,
2: yes
0: (laughs) (laughs) and uh, Orson Welles uh, I'm paraphrasing here but said tell Ted not to take crayons to my masterpiece or something (laughs) like that Um, and I think he finally aborted it I think he uh, I think there are clips of the end of the film that they had uh, finalized with the color but uh, uh, Turner ended up not finishing the process thankfully
1: Look at these massive walls in this room. Look at that light. I mean, Yeah, just... there's that shaft of light like before.
0: Ted Turner would have absolutely ruined this scene. <laughs> <laughs> Color it yellow. Yeah, right. <laughs> And here we yeah. go. So it's interesting we get the uh, bullet points at the beginning of the movie from beginning to end and now we're getting the long version. Yep.
1: And also the uh the snow effect here is very uh closely echoed with that snow globe at
0: the beginning of the film. Right. Agnes Moorehead, who I referenced earlier, of course, a uh, long-time stalwart of cinema. After this, but this was her first appearance in a in a movie. This is kind of a weird premise uh they and I'm not even sure I entirely understand it so they they sold more or less or used as collateral um the uh charles Foster uh, or kane character to the battle. i don't- is that something that was done that i don't yeah yeah. You would send them a ch but why would the bank want a child? I
1: don't know. I just, <laughs>
0: that part sort of was like, okay.
1: I've actually heard of this. Yeah there, yeah, there are instances where you know he could he could turn into a good worker, you know, that kind right. of thing. I,
0: very strange. Yes. She was just ready to get rid of him. <laughs> well, you know, th- uh, that's the interesting thing about this scene is uh, she looks very cold and, and she's sort of the the ringleader behind this. But I think there's a moment coming up in a second where you see that it's there's really more there than meets the eye.
1: I always thought this child actor was a very good facsimile of Orson Welles.
0: He yeah. He kind, of, kind of has the... Uh...
1: The concerned eyes. He could pass for it for sure. That furrowed brow right there just gets me. Yeah. <clears throat> Wow, this transfer is gorgeous. Look at the Uh, texture of that fabric. Absolutely. It's like you could reach out and touch it.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: No, you just look like a character from a Charles Dickens novel. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nothing scary about that at
0: all. I know it. That's where we see the mom's not really the the uh-huh. cold one that we uh, think she is initially. She's, She's protecting a, him yep. from the abusive father.
1: So I'm cracking open a new beer today. Uh, this is called "It's Complicated Being a Wizard." This is by Burlington Brewing Company, okay, out of Vermont. Um, pretty fresh can. Uh, May seventeenth. Okay, it was canned. Is it a...
0: What, what type of beer?
1: Oh, it's a hazy IPA. Hazy... Gotcha. Here, I'm just going to pass this over to you so you can have that later.
0: Oh, cool. Thanks. It's okay. I'm drinking a pernicious IPA from Wicked Weed. Uh, North Carolina brewery which probably one of my favorite IPAs it's one I've had many times before
1: ironically I'm drinking from a wicked weed glass that I absconded with from the brewery many years ago Great shot. Great shot. You, you, you've you got that dolly shot pulling back through the train. Right. And you see the headline over and over and over, and finally the guy reads
0: it directly to the camera, just in case you didn't catch it. Right. So we can see from these headlines that uh, Foster Kane is establishing himself as a man of the people, a trust buster, in the tradition of Teddy Roosevelt, I guess. Yep. I love was, the i love the d I love his dialogue here though it's a brilliant progression of time yep
1: no need to show us a silly montage of him doing things instead they use newspaper which is appropriate given his empire
0: right. <laughs> and apparently uh, Randolph Hearst said something very similar, which was one of the giveaways of of the influence. That line, though, tells you he's not really sincere in the man of the people act that he's uh, right. putting on. we can see this is a man who doesn't even know himself that well, because just a couple minutes ago, he talks about essentially inventing a war. <laughs> yeah. And now he's, you know, Oh, I'm going to be the man of the people that protects the interests of the little man. <clears throat> I think we see that develop, you know, come to fruition further as the movie progresses.
1: One thing I like about that previous shot was that um, Thatcher had his back to the camera for the majority of the shot, so it was clearly just all Kane grandstanding and, and all focus on him right. until he finally gets up and turns in, in harsh profile, like he's still not facing the audience. Right. Nice reveal. Right. It's like Nosferatu there in the shadows Yeah (laughs)
0: You can already see the subtle aging there of on Foster Kane. Yeah. Um like I said the the makeup in this especially for the time period is pretty impressive. Yeah.
1: I was just noticing that on Thatcher as well.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean we essentially see him in three
0: different stages and his hair loss was yeah. very well done. Yeah. You don't see like a you know a cap on or something right. like that like you do in some lesser films black and white I'm sure helped with that as well oh sure I think you couldn't get away with some of that in a color film
1: well it's always you know with the advent of um, HD you know that's proven to be a huge challenge for filmmakers today Um, and that's also a challenge for aging actors And actresses, uh, uh, this unforgiving nature of of high definition, right? And I was curious what we would be seeing here. I mean, I've remarked earlier on the the fabrics of the uh, clothing that they were wearing and how remarkably crisp they were, and I think that speaks to what you're saying about this impeccable makeup that they've got. I don't see anything to indicate, you know, prosthetics, latex, or whatever,
0: right? (laughs) (laughs) that noir element is sort of uh you know there as well with that character that's sort of investigating you know yeah little detective yeah yeah he's on the hunt yep
1: So now we're talking about Rosebud,
0: so. (laughs) Right. Any theories about Rosebud? Well, I'm going to talk
1: about some of the official statements. Mankiewicz claims that, uh, actually a biographer claimed that it was named after uh, a bicycle that Mankiewicz had as a child that was uh, stolen from him.
2: Hmm.
1: However, Mankiewicz claimed himself that. Rosebud was a racehorse that he bet and won on right now Gore Vidal has said that um, Rosebud was uh, a nickname that Hearst had for Marion Davies private parts
0: uh, yes I've heard that <laughs> And apparently, uh, and, and Wells was not consistent in his responses to the, about Rosebud. In some interviews, he just said that it didn't really that Rosebud that what Rosebud meant wasn't really even relevant. It was just they needed some sort of a hook for the movie, and that was something Mankiewicz had come up with for the hook. Um, and then in other times he's leaned into some of the other theories and there, there's a one, uh, interview that he apparently did. I haven't been able to find it, but, uh, apparently, uh, he was trying to explain the sexual metaphor to a, a, heart, a, a sort of, um, uh, an interviewer who wasn't getting the drift. And finally he shouted out, it's her cunt. It's her cunt. Oh God. <laughs> So, anyway, uh, but Wells has not been consistent. And and I wonder if that was by
1: design on his part. I mean... Right. Orson Welles was a crafty guy. He loved the game. You know, yeah. he loved spoofing people. And yeah. and so
0: I wonder if that was just intentional uh-huh. the whole time. I, I, I tend to feel like he was probably being his most honest when he said, look, it was just a hook that we needed sure. to film. And... Um, you know where it got its name was really not the most
1: important thing yep
0: ultimately though whatever the artist had in mind for it actually doesn't matter if you can come up with a theory behind a symbol like that whether it's in a movie or literature or whatever as long as it's defensible from what's in the movie sure it's valid that's my postmodern take there
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> again jumping around in time
0: yeah but we just yeah no the, just the non-linear take he's a young man again yeah without explanation really just use your
1: context clues to figure it out audience right but it's it's a great it's a great device that's not Unfamiliar to us now. I mean, it's something we see all the
0: time. Right. There's Joseph Cotton. Mm hmm. I like that hair
1: on the left. I think I'm going to, yeah. do, I'm going to go for that <laughs> cut next time. Yeah.
0: As dark as this movie is, it does a good job of interspersing some, you know, comic relief at times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: he's getting so kerfuffled. Yeah. Literally blowing up his I cheeks See, as yeah, he's talking. I was, <laughs> was going to say oh, look oh, at yeah. Oh, <laughs> Very Mitch McConnell. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Look how disheveled he is. Look at his hair just wisping down like that.
0: Of course, as humorous as the scene is, you have the conflict here between traditional journalistic values and yellow, um, you know. Yep, yellow journalism. Yep, which of course is as prevalent today as ever. Absolutely, it seems. <laughs> Look at him putting it, poking his lips out. There. Oh,
1: it's just it, it's just a masterclass in hamming it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exasperated.
0: <laughs> He's just an embodiment of a one long harumph. Yes. <laughs> Apparently those long shots of the location that would then, uh, Zero in on the action was uh, uh, one of the innovations of the movie as well. I was uh, reading about.
1: So, you know, this movie did not recoup its expenses in, right. on initial release, even yep. though it was well received,
0: which. Yeah. Well, and Wells, uh, too, and this probably led to some of the problems Wells had later in his career, the infamous problems with his other movies, losing control of them and having the studios butcher them, The Magnificent Ambersons probably most famously, which is actually a great movie in the, even in the a version that exists, uh, but when uh, Wells was given uh, a carte blanche with Citizen Kane, the contract he was given was very unique at the time of the studio system where he basically got full control rights to the final cut and the studio wasn't going to interfere. And that was more or less unheard of at the time. And then of course, as you say, the movie didn't make recoup its uh, funds. And so then from then on, he didn't tend to get that deal.
1: Brilliant shot. Principal actor, main character, head and shadow, the two supporting actors in full lighting. Right. Right. I mean, that just like flies in the face of every conventional rule about setting up a shot.
0: Right. The air of the high water pants, as we see on uh, Wells's <laughs> pants, they're up to his uh, nips almost. The Fred Mertz.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I have a friend who referenced that the other day. I had to Fred Mertz my pants. <laughs> right.
0: Uh... <clears throat> Another good use of showing the time passing with the circulation increasing.
1: Wow, (laughs) beautiful. We have fun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. just not
1: anything you'd see these days <laughs> surely not i
0: don't think you'd see this on the floor of the new york times no <laughs> so the white stripes um the band have a song called the union forever uh which of course our listeners will probably recognize from the beginning of the movie and uh the song is comprised of lyrics that is sort of a pastiche of different scenes and songs from the film and this is uh one of the first songs where you hear that so this uh this part of uh this uh, part of the song our lyrics uh, in that song which i did not even realize until the most recent time that i saw the film a, a few years back that's really cool i never knew that yeah and it's probably one of my favorite white stripe songs apparently uh the studio attempted or uh, threatened to um Uh, Sue Jack White Because I don't think He gave a a writing credit On the film But um, Nothing ever came of it So I guess Mm. They dropped it
1: How do they all know the song? I don't understand I'm really confused It's one of my issues I have with musicals Yeah How do they all know the lyrics?
0: And the dance moves
1: Great shot, reflection Oh yeah
0: He he's basically buying up all of Europe and shipping yeah. it back. When well, this was another clue that it was about Randolph Hearst, who was infamous, he built an entire uh, estate to house all the antiques that he bought uh, that he put his mistress uh, in charge of.
1: Well, that takes brown nosing to a whole new <laughs> yeah. level getting a trophy made for your boss yeah
0: and i'm sure they didn't go down to the local uh, trophy shop where the little league goes to <laughs>
1: that was probably the most unnecessary line in the whole movie (laughs) hey let's all go to the window yeah
0: another great shot here
1: You know who loves this movie? Who is that? Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. He has quoted it and referenced it many times. Really? Yeah, I think he fancies himself. He doesn't himself. see the irony, apparently. I don't think he sees the irony. He fancies himself a, a, a Kane-type character.
0: It I, does not shock me that he would not see that Kane is not the hero of this movie. He, I think the thing that he has remarked on is that you
1: can never let your guard down when you're in that kind of a high profile, uh, situation. And I'm like, okay, I
0: I guess that's probably
1: true (laughs) of anybody who's famous.
0: Yeah. Interesting. That's the lesson he took away. Oh, well, it, (laughs) it tracks. Yeah. No,
1: Great shot. Mm -hmm. Fantastic tracking. Just.
0: Right. Another good job with the makeup on uh, Cotton here.
1: Yep. I like the context. Uh, You know, he's like in this convalescent type. Nursing home. Yep,
0: you can see the two yeah, just, ghostly figures in the background. That's all you
1: need. There was no need for a facade, an entryway, a nurse, anything. You know exactly what's what's up. Beautiful shot. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It looks like he has a literal, literal rope around his waist there. Yeah, so he won't get away. Heck yeah, he's a flight risk. You know that is actually a thing they do in nursing homes. I went to visit my grandfather yeah. one time, and some of the people were sort of strapped down. You know, sure, that kind of thing to protect them. But I think that's a nice little subtle touch, though, that you know he's not quite in his right mind. He keeps mentioning the thing about the getting him a cigar and that kind of thing. Right. Ha <laughs> ha Oh, that was a good, dissolve brilliant, there.
1: brilliant dissolve, brilliant mm-hmm. setup, yeah. just masterfully done. And that that read like a stage play where you've got a narrator at the foreground or two principal actors at the foreground, and this the curtain comes back to reveal right. what's behind it. Uh, that was uh, really well done. Yeah. another yep. stage in his life different hairstyle uh, facial hair
0: right this is a brilliant scene because they keep showing different dialogues that he has with his wife at different stages of their marriage and you can see the dis the, the dissolution or the, yep. the degrading of the relationship over time There's yep <laughs> they go from, you know, love birds to increasingly annoyed with one another.
1: Yeah. That is one hell of a piece around her neck there. Oh yeah. <laughs> What do you call it? What would you call that? Uh, it's like a freaking <laughs> lace doily with a, yeah. a brooch on top of it. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh yeah, his attitude shift. Yep. Ain't even hard. Look at that icy stare.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All, in, even... all in like two minutes.
1: They yeah, and not even talking at this point. They're just reading the paper.
0: Yep. And now this long shot gives us a sense of the distance. That's just a great scene. You see the marriage fall apart in a minute and a half.
1: Yeah, and it has nothing to do with action, conflict, or anything. It's really just the way they speak to one another.
2: Yep. wow
0: (laughs) that's the sort of line I could see uh Trump appealing to the cross-section of an American public and sizing someone up that way. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. I was just thinking that as well as his, uh, (laughs) I was thinking back to his history of uh, his wives. Oh,
2: yeah.
0: Another terrific shot there. can see at the beginning of this relationship, uh, this character is such a happy-go-lucky young woman, which will not be the case later on. Almost the exact opposite. Significant age difference between the two. Right. Well, if you've ever seen the pictures of Randolph Hearst and his mistress, uh, she was apparently a showgirl, I guess. Yeah. He sort of became Infatuated with her Which again
1: Something else to piss him off About this film
0: Right Well and and not Disguising very well The influence Right I guess now, though, you can pretty easily get away with it. I mean, these biopics come out all the time that don't have the uh, thumbs up from the... Yeah, no authorization know. whatsoever. Yep.
1: But I think another thing is that, you know, in today's world, if you're famous, your life is pretty much out there in the news cycle 24-7 mm-hmm. through social media, through the TMZ-type people, the muckraking websites. Right. Back then, you know, if somebody puts out a movie... Oh, my God. Rumor becomes real. Right. So it's pretty sensational.
0: I mean, you think of a movie like uh, Oliver Stone's W, which is not a flattering portrait of George W. Bush, but there was never any concern that George W. Bush was filing a lawsuit or something. No. No.
1: We Think about the uh, it wasn't a particularly good movie, but uh, the one about Megyn Kelly and the Fox News girls who
0: are getting you know harassed, right? Off, what was and, that one called? I, I actually kind of liked that one, I kind of
1: liked it too. Um, I what thought a great that, movie, but... I, I think Charlize Theron did a really good job with what she had to work with, right? Um, but you know, that's a speaking of uh, you know, Rupert Murdoch,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you
1: know, this that squarely sure. pointed the lens at his operation, and where was the outrage? There was none.
0: Right. And then of course there's that scene where uh, I guess it's John Lithgow playing Roger Ailes, right? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Uh sexually, you know, harassing yep. uh the character. Now Roger Ailes was dead by then of course, but nevertheless is in this time period I guess the family could have sued or sure. something, I would imagine. So it is interesting to think about those differences and the concerns. Interesting audio on the yeah. the clock. You know, it's kind of interesting, uh, too, with her voice. I don't think she sings that badly, but Lord, they, uh, in the scenes coming up. They, yeah. <laughs> they savage her here soon.
1: The fighting liberal. <laughs> so, Jim Geddes in this particular scene. He is based on Charles Murphy, the leader of the Tammany Hall machine. Ah, and that was during the Teddy
0: Roosevelt era, right? Right, and that is 100% admitted by both the filmmakers. Of course, I'm sure they didn't mind admitting that since he was probably long dead by the time this movie came
2: out.
0: I've
1: always, always loved this giant backdrop.
0: Yeah. Just the the gall right the kind of thing that you probably wouldn't do these days well yeah I mean why, why the face why do you have to have your
1: face on that giant backdrop people right. know what you look like or if they <laughs> yeah. don't who cares
0: <laughs> it's kind of, I guess it's kind of like a, a statue or something mm-hmm. a version of that If you read and listen to stuff from this era, though, there does seem to be more of a worship of certain figures, famous figures that you you don't really get anymore. Right. I mean, not that there aren't fawning masses, but... Yeah. Yeah. Although now that I get, or I think about it, the I guess Trump is almost, uh, his uh, fans are almost a throwback to this era of sort of the worship of a Demagoguery. Demagoguery, correct, right. Which is something, and you know, of course I'm a, I'm a pinko liberal over here, but you know, you didn't really see that with someone like even Bush. Maybe a little bit post 9-11, but um, you know-
1: yeah, this, this willful surrender to uh, please take us to the promised land. Correct. Because exactly. we're helpless and we have no clue of what we're doing. Exactly. And That's so the impression I get. Yeah, and Trump when, does well, seem like a throwback in that sense. Well, when you blindly follow anybody, not just Trump, but anybody, you fo- you blindly follow a leader, you're surrendering yourself sure. to, to their whim and what their objectives are. Yeah. And if they align with yours, great, but chances are they have ulterior motives and... hmm Oh, yeah. Which I think is going to be evidenced in this very film. Yeah, exactly.
0: It's kind of interesting. Uh, they reference that his son, uh, Foster Kane's son, gets killed in that newsreel, but they don't really do anything with it in the movie itself, which uh, is an interesting choice, and I wonder if that's just meant to emphasize...
1: It's about him.
0: Yeah, or or even maybe the almost irrelevance of mm-hmm. the son. Uh, now, we do have life. to make a note of the, the big K
1: on his uh, cravat. Oh, yeah. That's pretty
2: <laughs>
1: right. that's pretty egotistical. <laughs> oh, sure.
0: Boy, this is an uncomfortable situation coming up. Mm-hmm. Forcing your husband to take you to his mistress's home. Yeah. When you're in full regalia. Yeah. Mm
2: mm mm.
1: Another diagonal shot of all four
0: actors, right. And I love how this uh, character is in the dark. Of there. course, yeah. This is uh,
1: characters in shadow is something that really could be. You could write a whole paper on that in this one movie, right? Again, two two silhouettes of the principals talking to each other in shadow. Just stuff you just didn't
0: see then. Yeah.
1: Big rule breaker.
0: Yep. And that's something I can appreciate more watching the movie now that, uh, you know, when I initially watched it, I definitely had not watched as many films prior to this. Uh, And now that I've seen a bunch of those, I can definitely see um, it's doing a lot of stuff that wasn't often done prior to this.
1: But I'm I'm sure there were studio people that were watching these on dailies going we can't use this this is terrible
0: yeah this isn't done well and the fact that what wells was such a novice for film i mean really was part of the recipe there that coupled with him surrounding himself with people who were masters of the craft like uh greg toland was mm-hmm. you know a terrific uh, cameraman and so he was able to help bring those ideas of uh wells yep. to life Do we have to run a black light around this room?
1: (laughs) Oh, that look right there. Yeah. You are so inconsequential <laughs> Yeah <laughs> That guy's look was just so dismissive yeah. mm-hmm. You stupid woman <laughs> Yeah
0: Nah, I think I'll hang around. It kind of looks like that little thing underneath the coat, it looks like he was at the gym with a towel around him and then he just had to throw his coat on real quick to go, you know, head over there. He was in the steam room and got pulled out.
1: There we go. Hubris.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love how his voice. Beautiful sound design. Holy shit. His voice disappears. (laughs) The impotence of it. That's great. Yep. Sing sit. Nope. <laughs> it's
1: gone. <laughs> I love how singers in quotes. <laughs> yeah.
0: So they had already printed a kane elected sort of Harry Truman style there. Yep. yep. Before Harry Truman. Well, here's your other one. The alternate
1: headline was fraud at polls. Hmm. They had already decided that the election
0: was a fraud if they lost. You know, that's interesting. It Uh, would not shock me knowing that now that Trump is a fan of this movie... If that was not a lesson wow, he also took from this, that is... Wow. wow. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> you got to get ahead
1: of it. Get ahead of the story. That's right. The election was rigged. If I lost, it was rigged. Rigged. Of course, they were saying that before the election
0: day even approached. Right. Rigged. The election was rigged. Mm-hmm. Well that's part of I think that's part of the uh uh recipe is you have to lay the groundwork first so then when it yeah. happens it's more believable. It
1: becomes real, yeah. Yeah. Interesting
0: shot from the floor. Right. Get a good view of all the shit. The streamers that were there for the celebration. Yep. This wasn't like the uh, World Series uh Instances that you hear where you know, like the Red Sox and the Mets when they had the champagne in the Red Sox room, and then Bill Buckner bobbles the yes, and then Bob Costas talks about being back there and that they had to very quickly get the champagne and everything out of the uh, room. Nothing like that going on here. There are streamers and (laughs)
1: everybody just fucked off and went home. Yeah. The other thing about this Florida ceiling shot Kane looks like a giant in the foreground until he approaches Yeah, there's something to be said about how people perceive Cain and how Cain perceives people as smaller than him. This whole ground-up staging of the shot really speaks to that we're small, he's big, we're beneath him. You know, Jedediah is just a a name that just doesn't get used as much anymore. I think that uh, we should bring it back.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you hear a Jeb occasionally, but not a a Jedediah.
1: I'm going to say it right here on the show. If you name your next child Jedediah, I'll send you a free Cinema Chop Shop (laughs) keychain. What did you think of that beer, by the way? The Wizard beer. What would you think about it? It had a little smoky quality to yeah, it. Yeah, it. it's, uh, it's not quite there. Something's off about it. Yeah, I thought it was um, okay, but...
0: Yeah, it was fine. Um... Oh.
1: Damn it. going to have to buy me a new couch. <laughs> So this is the part that speaks to the uh, uh, character being taken from uh, a, an opera singer in Chicago. Built an entire opera house for the singer, right?
0: To put her on the stage, and she's not that good. And I feel horrible for her in these scenes. Oh yeah, he. This is his thing, not her. She she just had some throwaway you know comment yeah. to him about you know. Maybe wanting to do something like this. Well, this
1: and, is about Cain proving that he has the means to make you what you just, like you said, offhandedly said that you'd like to do. Well, by God, I'm going to make it happen because I'm Kane.
0: And to me, she's not that bad of a singer, but I guess what from the expectations of what an opera... I'm not an opera aficionado, so... Maybe uh, someone more up on that uh, genre would be able to point out the flaws in her, yeah, technique. But this is a great shot. Though, great you shot. See even the guys that are kind of working uh, at the top of the the uh, whatever you call it, the catwalks. Yeah, the catwalks are like, ugh,
2: you
1: <laughs> <laughs> And that's a ridiculously high catwalk, by the way yeah <laughs> most don't go that high, yeah. it's the penguin. <laughs>
0: Other than Mr. Leland, he's been able to cook the books with the reviews. Yeah. Even though the audience clearly is not enamored.
1: Yep. I know this is just an opera that they're talking about and his squeeze, but uh, it does speak to a bigger thing about manipulating the news. Oh, absolutely. Something that we see way too much of today. Tail wagging the dog. Right. A beautiful shot. Look how big that bottle looks
2: in yeah, perspective.
0: I know. If you drank half of that, you'd be pretty snockered. <laughs> This is a really remarkable scene Where he finishes the screed About his Mistress Yeah Begun by uh, His friend His friend, yeah Yeah Who obviously was conflicted Which
1: is why he turned to the bottle
0: Right No
1: wonder, you know that that's that's a novelty for for Kane at this point to have somebody express their true opinion around him
0: right interesting that interestingly that was uh, something uh, that wells himself dealt with because if you know anything about well's biography he was considered a child prodigy and he said himself in interviews that he was like i didn't hear a negative comment about me until i was well he would laugh about it and, mm-hmm. you know until he was well into his adulthood um but you can so he could probably relate to that with the foster uh, kane character
1: are you are you old enough to remember Orson Welles in his
0: later years, like when he would make a TV appearance or whatnot? He died in 85, so I would have been about four years old. Okay, okay. Um So, no. Uh, however, uh, a lot of those clips and things, you know... He became a
1: parody of himself. Uh, right. I remember seeing him on television, just this bloated old man with a, a beard, a cigar, a, a, a glass of brandy,
0: you know... Just, uh, my perception of him was sort of colored by that caricature, caricature too. There was a, a TV show that, uh, uh that I liked, uh, and uh, back in the day, uh, called or it was an animated series called The Critic. You may remember, oh, yeah, Lovitz. Yep. Uh, and there was an Orson Welles, uh, you know, uh, lampoon at one point mm-hmm. where he's eating a sandwich or something and he's big and bloated and fat, and yep. that kind of thing. Uh, I guess, um, The same uh, fate befell um, from the Godfather. Oh, oh, Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando, yeah. yeah, Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, one of my earliest memories of Orson Welles or being aware of him was uh, he was the narrator on a film called The Man Who Saw the End of the World. I Uh believe it was called. It was a, it was like a, it was a movie about Nostradamus. Right. Oh and yeah. and I was convinced that the world was going to end in 1994 thanks to that movie
0: I see it seems like I saw that as well like yeah. some of those things would would be shown uh, you know over the years but Wells would do that and then I think he was a pitch man for
1: several uh, products on commercials mm-hmm. I remember seeing him a lot of times on that uh, my favorite depiction of him I think would probably be uh, Pinky and the Brain mm. clearly Brain was modeled after Orson okay. Welles
0: right Well, uh, that kind of speaks to, and it's kind of sad in a way, that uh, after this movie seemed to set the tone for his career, the fact that it was unsuccessful, they gave him all the power the first time, and then after that, they never would give it to him again. Right. And he could never execute the vision the way he wanted to. Maybe with one or two exceptions, Touch of Evil is a great movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually like the Magnificent Ambersomes, even though apparently the uh, version that exists is a butchered studio version but the manipulation that went into his work uh, hereafter um i think kind of played into the perception of him because you wouldn't see martin scorsese or someone like that you know doing a voiceover for a nostradamus documentary or something right like that,
1: or being a know? pitch man for steak and ale or restaurants or whatever right. yeah that uh that's the kind of sad like parody of himself that he became and that's what I was exposed to in the late 70s early 80s I guess Uh, he was definitely um, been relegated to that that point in his career which was kind of it's unfortunate because the man obviously has a certain brilliance yeah
0: well and and that was uh, even as someone uh, you know even after he died that perception as you know I noted earlier kind of lived on that was sort of my view of him as well uh, for many years so
1: Have you ever seen uh, Touch of Evil?
0: Oh, I have, yeah. It's With great. him and
1: Charlton Heston? Yeah. Just a fantastic movie. That I, opening shot is amazing. And, oh, Vivian Lee's in it as well. And Right. It's, it, that's a film noir, clearly. Oh, sure. And yeah. other than uh, Charlton Heston playing a Mexican... That yeah, Which that didn't which, age well. <laughs> which he doesn't. He doesn't play it in an in an offensive way. It's just that they just say, no. "Oh, you're Mexican," and right. uh, and, and Charles like, "Yes, I am." And it's black and white, so okay. yeah. But uh, Orson Welles is despicable in yeah. that movie. Just oh, yeah. beautifully done.
0: Yeah. Oh, so other than this movie, I would say his other two un, unquestioned masterpieces would be that one and uh, the Lady from Shanghai. Have you okay. seen that one? I have not. No. Oh, that's it's it's good. I only saw it within the last uh, year or so, but uh, the that those two movies seem to be the only other ones, other than Citizen Kane, that didn't get you know manipulated with by the okay by studios.
1: All right, our detective has picked up the scent again. Yeah.
0: Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, this woman is uh, what today we would call a karaoke good singer. Yeah. But who, when put on... Yeah. You know, the main, the sort of person who, you know, gets loud applauses at karaoke, but then goes on American Idol and uh, gets ripped apart by Simon Cowell or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gets a no dog from Randy Jackson. That kind <laughs> of thing. It really estranged his obsession with making sure that she becomes a, uh, you know, a, what do they call co- the, uh, uh, it? A Yeah. A uh, prima Donna. Prima Donna. Yeah, yeah, Prima Donna. That's the word. Um, well, it's
1: his name on the line. Right. And that is, that speaks to his narcissism. Yeah. Uh, just this. It has e- nothing to do with her because she's yeah. clearly, oh. un-
0: she's clearly unhappy with.
1: She's an accessory. Yep. Uh, he, he wants, he has to have her successful because Mm -hmm. it makes him
0: look good. Yep. And, uh, since she's the mistress and not the wife, she could be thrown out in the cold at any moment.
1: Sure. As a matter of fact, I was just wondering, like, why did he hang on to her so long? It should become evident to him that this isn't going to work. He should replace her with some, a newer model. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I wonder, though, if this is, uh, you know, maybe he's seeing, you know, because he came from that uh, somewhat that backgro that humble background. And so maybe he's, you know. Well, maybe this... that's actually a human part
1: of him trying to. Sure, sure, sure. And this isn't a time where spouses aren't as disposable as they are today. Right. Especially among the famous.
0: Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah.
1: Uh, I think it was a good scene. a good, good job making it chaotic and, and just really just by the seat of your pants, everything's kind of
0: whipped together. Yeah. And that, and in this, it has kind of a realism to it. And I'm sure that come, you know, Wells would have been able to know precisely what that, uh-huh. that anxiety behind stage looks sure. like in the moments before the curtain rises
1: oh this here comes the shot. famous gif yeah yeah you're a gif not jif person i am a gif person i disagree <laughs> with the creator of the gif <laughs> yeah. because the first word in gif is graphic mm. g graphic but go. uh yes for anybody who has used the gif or jeff of the clapping orson wells yep here it is here it comes all of these hangers on these, these leeches just gathered up in the, uh, the, the opera boxes. Yep. He looks like Peter Sellers, by the way.
0: (laughs) And whoever that actor is, I don't know who it is, but he did a good job with the little small role he had. I thought he's pretty,
1: you know, Funny. And of course, by now you saw the shots of the hangers on, they're just like getting bored and fidgeting and right. <sighs> Boy. I'm surprised he didn't have someone executed.
0: <laughs> He's like smile and she obviously she's miserable. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> wow Wow That is I say Peter Sellers it's, kind of like
1: a, it's like a Salvador Dali Meets Peter Sellers
0: He also has a little bit Of a Marx brother Yeah 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 To him
1: Especially with the uh, The physical comedy Yeah And she's Entirely expressionless Yeah <laughs> And here it comes.
0: Keep clapping, you sycophants. That's right.
1: And she looks so inept up there grabbing the flowers. Oh, God. Oh, well, how uncomfortable. <laughs> and that was the first time Cringe was shot on film. Yeah.
0: <laughs> now, uh, compare this version of her to the happy-go-lucky yeah, uh, laughing with when even though she has a toothache when we first get introduced to her. Sure. Um, now she's like the shrill. Uh, she's uh, and, and not her fault, by the way. He's done this to her. She's had the Kool-Aid. Yeah,
1: that's the problem. She's gotten sucked into this make believe fantasy world.
0: I think I would have cashed it. Even now, twenty five thousand dollars then was you know, that's 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 retiring money. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's retiring money.
0: <laughs> the Declaration of Principles is another uh, was another dead giveaway about it being a Randolph Hearst uh, because he infamously um, published what he called. A declaration of um, principles in one of his papers at one time. So, okay, okay. Yeah. That was something they talked about in the, the documentary. That
1: Notice uh, how her... I mean, I know she's upset, but notice her delivery of her lines, her accent yeah. is so different now. I know. Just... I hate using the she's word a, shrill, but she's yeah, shrill. Right.
0: That's She's a completely different person. Yeah. Now that he's tried to force this persona on her Yep. Uh, that she did not clearly want. Which, you know, apparently the, the, uh, real mistress of Randolph Hearst was not like that at all. Apparently she was, you know, she was put in charge of his estate that Xanadu was based off of that housed all his antiques and she was a gracious host. Yeah. So that was part of what angered him as you referenced earlier. Yeah. Um, and now the uh controversy is laid bare he's trying to fight against the you see the dueling you know oh sure
1: and again he's controlling these newspapers so yeah. the the headlines read what he
0: wants it to read it's yeah the one he controls does the inquirer but the one before that was the you know right so it's he's trying to you know do that battle this would have been an interesting era to live in too, where you know we have the internet now. But of course, their version of the internet was—you uh, didn't just have one newspaper a day, at least not in cities. You Right. The, at least two: the evening edition, yeah, right. the morning edition. Then you had right. the,
1: the dueling newspapers.
0: Right. And then, of course, the extras, extra. Yeah, newsies. <laughs> Again
1: another great shot with a oh, larger yeah. than life foreground mm-hmm. object. And then that
0: uh the clearest thing is the cup with the spoon and the um what was that? Medicine or something. Yeah, the kind. medicine dropper. Yeah. She's trying to kill herself. Clearly. Yeah. There's something to be said, and I guess they had to do this to get by the censors in part, but the delicacy with which they would handle scenes like, you know, a suicide scene like this, where that word is not never mentioned at all. Right. Um, yeah. But the context clues that you Clearly, earlier, yeah. The clear picture of the cup with the yep. spoon in it and the, you know, we know there's something to be said for the
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they had to be very careful. I mean, this is post-Hays Code, so. Yeah.
2: She
0: looks positively feral. She looks peaked, (laughs) as they might say. Yeah. For some reason, the uh, scene from *Scrooge* where Scrooge is uh, looking at his sister dying popped into my head just Uh (laughs) now.
1: How magnanimous of him. I'm going to buy the audience.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank God you're giving up on this dream of yours. Jeez. I don't have to sing anymore. Now we got some matte paintings. Yeah. Which I like. <laughs> oh, I love matte paintings. I wanna, uh, they need to bring those back. Those of course, are... it wouldn't work. and uh, It'd have to be a black and white movie to, for it to work. But... <laughs> You can see what her life's become. She's doing a puzzle in the dark. Oh
1: God, Xanadu! What a, it's just how depressing. I know. It reminds this reminds me of like the opening scenes of Dracula. Yes, when he comes down the stairs and right.
0: The, the, gi- the only thing missing are the cobwebs. Yeah,
1: it's just uh, the, the booming echo. Giant! Look
0: at that giant fireplace. It's just over the top. I love it. To me, it would be depressing to live in a place like that unless you were constantly surrounded by people. The, just the the, the, lo, the, the it would just emphasize your loneliness to be in a sure. massive place like that and to be by yourself. Places with wings in them. And you're the only one in the wing. <laughs>
1: want somebody to have the balls to make a movie called Citizen Kanye. <laughs> basically be the same film.
0: Yeah. South uh, Park came close with their fish sticks episode. Yeah, they did. Yep, yep. Standing behind that seems like it would almost uh, sear your back. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's... I've stood behind like a, you know, just a normal size campfire before and be like, okay, I got to back up a little. You know,
1: well, you know even more perspective tricks. <laughs> he looks dwarfed in, in front of that, ty- in, you know, he looks small in front of that huge fireplace. Right. Right.
0: Oh, this is a great uh, showing of the passage of time here. Her completing this gigantic puzzle. Multiple puzzles. Which probably, yeah. Here we go, more Dracula shots. Oh, God. It's just all dark. Film noir definitely owes a debt to this. When did Maltese Falcon come out after this, right? Or maybe the same year, possibly. 41? Possibly. But even Maltese Falcon wasn't shot with this darkness no
1: no it's uh it's that was it came uh, out in 41 as well yeah this the bogart version
0: but certainly the this wait the dark dark uh shadowy oh this this is great rock. this is
1: the absurdity of of, of her going huh yep. can't even hear him. they're so far away from oh, each right. other
0: they're,
1: Yep, yep. And, of course, that's a bellows next to her for, for, for the fireplace. Yeah. As big as she is. Right. Just amazing. Mm. And then these ridiculous outfits. <laughs> Look at that coat. What colors do you think that was? I'm pretty sure we're talking about red, blue, and yellow. Yeah. probably prim- Like a rainbow type. Yeah, primary color stripes.
0: This is another uh, part of the lyrics of okay. the white stripes song I referenced, okay. uh, referenced earlier.
1: Oh. Need to rewind that. It's too bad we're doing this live, but there's a shot of birds flying across and they're clearly animated. Really? Yeah, I these two that. birds cross each other and they cannot possibly be real. Their movements are very st- staggered.
0: Huh. It's
1: funny you should mention uh, Marlon Brando. He looks like Marlon Brando yeah. in this scene. Right. White people cannot keep the beat. Nope. Wow. Even then. Look at (laughs) that. That is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. That's an interesting shot, Orson. Yeah. This person's screaming in the background.
0: Yeah. Look at all those useless statues. They're not even uh, arranged in any sort of way that would be considered, you know. uh, Interior uh, decorator that came in there would be like, what the hell? Yeah. (laughs) They're just stacked in there.
1: This period of the film, uh, Kids in the Hall did a character with Dave Foley that looked exactly like this. I remember that, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's the uh, crazy, maniacal business leader, and he was the main character in Brain Candy, the much maligned film, but he picked up the character again when they made their uh, second run I guess on Amazon uh last year or yeah. two years ago and it's this exact character this yep. very Brent, friend
0: of the podcast and I Joey Poole watched uh, some of, of those episodes the first two or three episodes were actually pretty good and then it just fell yeah. off kind of fell off track but but yeah I remember that I character. applaud
1: them for for just doing it yeah they're they're too funny and too talented Power. not to be together
0: mm-hmm He had her until he said, you can't do you this to me. You can't do to this me. to me, yep. Look how short that door is. Yep. And you get the, oh, great shot.
1: Yep, yep, amazing
0: a picture magazine versus a
1: a text magazine
0: magazine. (laughs) right just a yeah
1: Yeah, let me finish this.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you can see she's closed the bar down.
2: Yeah.
1: Another film noir kind of frame on this. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Rolls the R.
2: (laughs) Wow. (laughs)
1: What a jarring transition. Yes. And another... Kind of Fellini-esque, actually.
0: Oh, look at that. And here we return to the scene from before, and the the famous scene coming up. Just the feeling of impotence. Yep. In that. Yeah, and you know the uh, interesting thing about the scene. Uh, one uh, video I watched that was an interview with a uh, film professor that was talking about this uh, teaching this movie he said that you know oftentimes she would have trouble with it, and this scene in particular, students would like burst out laughing but uh, she came to have sympathy for the students because she said, well, it is actually is kind of funny because it's just blind impotence. Yeah, It's just flailing yeah. impotence, and there is something darkly comic about that. Yeah. What he's doing right now is just pulling the sheets off the bed for who?
1: Well, especially when you don't have any sympathy for the character. Yeah. Uh, it is funny. Yeah. Um... And this is just complete impotence and tantrum a rich rich tantrum right
0: right that's the other thing funny about it is it's a rich man having a temper tantrum yep this is a two-year-old i wonder if even wells thought of it that way because you can see by some of his facial expressions it's almost like he's a toddler you know
1: like you know it's funny we referenced the dracula scenes earlier in xanadu now this looks like frankenstein right yeah the monster just like Yep. flailing about ransacking things.
2: Mhm.
1: Cuz he does look rather mindless. Yep.
0: Well, if you if you change your mind and come back, you're going to have a mess to clean up. <laughs> Cuz Charles Foster Kane does not clean. Yeah. All right, maybe I'll pay someone to clean it up, but it'll be a mess for a while. (laughs) There we got Rosebud again. Yeah, those door jams look really short. I know, and I'm sure that that was probably uh, intentional. And I wonder, uh, you know, if you watch old uh, German expressionistic silent films, they would do those types of things where door, you know, things would be sizes that didn't really make a lot of sense. And yep, um, we talked about this with Suspiria too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, the 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 '70s version. Great Where, shot! Yep. Hmm.
1: A funhouse mirror. Copies of himself. Yeah. That's how I knew he was dead. He didn't say anything.
0: <laughs> yeah, if someone doesn't say anything, silent people are dead. dead. Yeah. Hopefully, he wasn't the uh, attending physician. <laughs> well, our work's done here, boys. <laughs> Let's uh, get him to the crematorium.
1: Look at this. It looks like a freaking antique shop or a consignment shop. Just... And,
0: and this is just the mark of someone you couldn't possibly care about all that, you know? Yeah. It's a hoarding, almost. Yeah. It's the, like yes, a billionaire yes. hoarding. Actually, and and now that I think about it with uh, Randolph Hearst, the fact that he built an estate specifically to house his uh, antiques, that's just textbook hoarding, right? hmm yeah. And somebody... Not just hoarding, but somebody who's rich And the money is meaningless Yeah I gotta do something with it So I might as well just buy every piece of art And, you know, statue that comes on the market Looks like the closing scenes of Raiders of the Lost Ark (laughs) Dude, you stole my line. Uh, there's a, a scene coming up here in a minute. Yeah. That's an overhead shot. And that was what I was going to say. I was going to say top men.
1: Well, it's funny I that still uh, do it, but. we mentioned that. Uh, hopefully I'm not spoiling this for anybody who's been along for the ride this far. But uh, um, Steven Spielberg owned one of the Rosebud props. Right. He, he paid about 6 60, or $600,000 for, yeah. for, it was one of the Bosselwood yeah. Rosebuds. hmm And, uh, that they,
0: they, they were about to burn on the lot. Right.
1: And uh, so he, uh, he, he bought it and then uh, later donated it to the uh, Academy Museum of Motion Pictures. Yep. Yeah. Because he but, said, this deserves to be in a museum.
0: But certainly, the shot coming up here momentarily, Spielberg uh, got strong influence from Citizen Kane. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that the, that's, the, uh, Pretty clear. Yeah. I remember the last, yeah, the last time I watched this movie, I just remember. Yeah,
1: Nobody think... could possibly uh, take in, absorb uh, this much stuff. Mm-hmm. The, the, the absurdity oh, of it. owning so many things. Yeah. There's no
0: enjoyment in it because it's just right. too much. Yeah. You wouldn't even remember most of what you owned. Oh, at that sure. Point. I mean, but like, oh, that. Now this is the scene. That's where it's it. Like, uh, top men. Top men. Do you even know where where the lost ark is? <laughs> We've got top men working on it. Who? Top, top, top men. men. <laughs> it's insane. Just the uh, the, the scope <laughs> and scale of shit. I know any one of those things th- that you could give to someone let them sell it would change their lives probably right and that's and you've just got endless well, and supplies that that, that of
1: speaks it. to the the wealth divide the opulence that we, that we and, still have you know yeah. just there are people who have this much crap or the ability to own this much that crap that they could just give it to one one piece would change someone's life yeah right So again, how is this uh, considered to be the hero of the film? Yep. And here's Rosebud. Yep.
0: And the closing shot. Rosebud. The cunt being incinerated. (laughs) If we believe that one uh, theory. Yep.
2: Rosebud. Yes.
0: Of course, my interpretation of this was always, I think, kind of the obvious one, which was just that it was the lost childhood that he had. The last happy moment that we see him have in the film is when he's saying union forever before he gets sent away by his parents. Right. right? Yep. So, I mean, Occam's razor, that was always kind of my interpretation of it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Rosebuddy's just thinking back to that last happy moment he had. Even in his death. Don't come. <laughs> Don't come
1: up my shit. Yeah. Stay off my lawn. Yes. All right. So there you go, folks. Citizen Kane, a classic. And my phone decides to ring.
0: <laughs> it's spam, of course. I like this little, uh, here at the end, uh, the Mercury Theater, uh, introduction of these actors who would have been unknown to film, uh, goers at the time, but then later on became, right. you know, uh, veterans. Certainly, at least, uh, Morehead and, uh, and Cotton. And Cotton. yeah. yeah. But also, um, I can't remember his name. We'll see him in a minute. Ruth Warwick, certainly. Uh huh. Ray Collins, he's been in a bunch of stuff. Harumph? No, harumph. harumph? Harumph. I didn't get a Harumph out of that guy. Yeah. You watch your ass. <laughs> That's a... <laughs> Everett Sloan, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. great yeah i kind of like how uh, movies that do that uh, sort of at the end although tonally it almost doesn't fit in this case because they have that jaunty music in the background for this yeah otherwise dark yeah uh, it's a picture.
1: it's a strange selection for the yeah. closing music but
0: but again that probably has to do with uh wells's background from theater where he's like, You gotta have the curtain call. Yeah. And have everyone come out and everybody comes and, out and waves to the crowd and takes right. their bows and takes yeah. their bow, yeah. So all right. editing Robert Wise, by the way. So uh he got his start here, the famous director Robert Wise. Lots of interesting stuff about Greg Toland of you, uh, watch some of the supplemental material on the Criterion DVD. So there you go,
1: folks. Citizen Kane. All right. It's been a long haul. We're at two hours. This is longer than normal, but we felt we had to do this one. Todd, thanks for joining me on the uh, the, the watch party. This is your first watch party. Absolutely. It was a blast. I uh, think you did a fine job. Uh, it's, it's hard to fill two hours with chatter, but sure. we did it. I
0: think we I think we made it, man.
1: <laughs> you, the listener, thank you for joining us. And we're going to be back in a few weeks. I think we're doing um, guilty pleasure movies next. Ooh, I that's think that's what we fun. talked about. So uh, think about those kind of movies that uh, you enjoy watching, that you're probably not supposed to enjoy watching, but you will always watch when they're on TV or in the background I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up really quickly but uh, follow us on social media we're Cinema Chop Shop Uh, catch us on YouTube we're Cinema Chop Shop Podcast email us shop at gmail.com and uh, please tell your friends rate, review, and uh, subscribe and until next time uh, please remember to watch Watch Chop Retrofit. Retrofit and
2: that's it